Hey there, I'm Stephanie Shaw. Welcome to the Hello Hot Flash podcast, where midlife women can learn from guest experts and authors who discuss menopause and all that comes with this new chapter in our lives. Hello Hot Flash, where we learn to control the change and not let the change control us. Ready to control the midlife change? Well, Menopause Simplified is for you. Menopause Simplified is an eight-week interactive and transformative live group coaching program led by leading menopause experts. Join the wait list at hellohotflash.com slash shop. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hello Hot Flash, where we help you control the midlife change. I'm so excited to be here with my guest today, Dr. Tayo. Dr. Tayo, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. It's my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. As am I, as am I. Dr. Tayo, having gone through a rough journey to menopause and helping friends and colleagues to do so successfully, she became committed to helping women leaders breeze through menopause without resorting to extreme measures. Where were you like in 2017 when I needed you? <laughs> Dr. Tayo developed a framework that using her medical knowledge and whole health practices helps women feel confident and like themselves again with fulfilling careers and revitalized relationships. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today because we want to help as many women as possible. So once again, Dr. Tayo, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks again so much. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to where this goes. So as am I. Tell us your story and why you're focusing on perimenopause. And for today, we're, we're going to narrow that down a little bit more even to sleep. So why that focus? Correct. It was one nice cold February morning in uh, Toronto, Canada, which is, uh, you know, the Great White North. Everything is a bit cold at that time of the year. And uh, I was at work. I was sitting at my desk at work reporting some films. I'm a radiologist mainly, you know, specialized in radiology after my medical training. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt this strange sensation. Um, the best way I can describe it before or oh, since was it was a bit like a cold electric shock. And uh, it started in my chest, it went up to my arms and up my neck and stayed, you know, and, and that was it. It was just a, like a slow thing. And I thought, eh, okay, never heard it, don't know what it is, leave it alone. Then about 20 minutes later, the same thing happened. And I thought, but I didn't have time to, you know, you've got work in front of you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like everybody yeah, else yeah. kind of like, this is not urgent, it's not gonna take me to the emergency room. Let's get on with work, I can figure it out later. Then <laughs> 20 minutes later, another 20 30 minutes later one another one struck and i went and it was disturbing enough because it was coming with such regularity and i thought oh my gosh i can't continue like this i can't concentrate it was not allowing me to do you know concentrate as much as i would like to mm -hmm. so i began to think and i went through my brain and i was thinking what's happening here what's happening you know the, the things you go back to and say what could we possibly have it's not cancer it's not i don't need to go to the emergency room right could it be and as I went through my mind, it suddenly occurred to me. While it wasn't hot uh -huh. and it wasn't a flash, uh -huh. it was technically a hot flash. So I thought, oh, wow. because I looked at it and said, okay, I'm in my 40s at the time, I haven't been sleeping well. Mm -hmm. I was having all these symptoms. I was exhausted beyond belief. I couldn't concentrate much. So I had to spend all my energies concentrating on what I did, which is why right. it struck me. Right. And when I look back, I realized that this process had started maybe about two years ago, but it took that incident to bring it to focus, which is why I realized that that information need to get out there. One, that it starts before your hot flash. And two, 
that you not only can you do something about it, but a hot flash may not appear as a typical hot flash. So being aware of it, as soon as you hit 40s, things start going sideways, really, for a woman. And if you mm -hmm. are aware of it, you can do something. So that was the journey that took upwards of five years, actually, for me to get past it and get to a place where I thought, oh, okay, I'm good. Yeah. I'm happy that you explained it that way because I've never experienced that. And the more I talk to women, everyone's experiences are so nuanced, is so custom to their body. So a lot of times you just make this assumption, oh, it wasn't a hot flash, it's not menopause. I'm still sleeping at night and so forth. But I want women to start hearing stories like yours so that they can associate with it and know that you know, perhaps it is perimenopause and I do need to to take control of the situation. So thank you so much for sharing that. So you mentioned sleep and you mentioned that you, when you had that rush, that you started to think back, like what has been going on? You know, I haven't been able to concentrate. So let's focus a little bit on the sleep part because I know when I was sick, my whole goal was like, okay, I can have a hot flash all day long, but please don't disrupt my sleep. <laughs> so how does the sleep disruption associated with perimenopause how does that impact women, um, their lives, both physically and emotionally? Yes. As you found out, you know, you I, I don't know if you were having night sweats as well, and maybe not, but most people, most women going to menopause experience what I call the early symptoms, which is what I had, i.e. Mm -hmm. sleep disruption and exhaustion and one or two other things. It could be palpitations. It could be, you know, loss of libido, a whole lot of things. Right. But why? sleep for me was that sleep was what really my sleep suffered i didn't sleep for nine months oh my. i hardly slept for nine months Good. while i was trying to figure this out and thinking what do i do i did everything I, you know i researched i did acupuncture yeah. i did herbs and essences you name it i did it short of taking i did not take sleeping pills i have to say i started taking all kinds of things just to get sleep and i realized that this not being able to sleep was robbing me of my energy of my concentration of my ability to focus, of decision-making became more challenging. Eventually, I realized that sleep, and according to a good old sleep researcher, Matthew Walker, and a few others as well, they describe sleep as the bridge between despair and hope. So you go to sleep at night and you have these problems or these challenges or these anxieties. And I'm sure you have heard of this. Uh, you wake up in the morning, you've experienced it. You wake up in the morning, you feel, after a good night's sleep, you feel refreshed. You feel like you can take on the world. You can like, you can solve the problem. The problem that appeared large last night, you know, quite a significant. Right. And that's because the sleep process is what gives us the whole process of sleep. If we get our sleep right properly, is what allows us to consolidate our memory. So what you did during the day, you end up consolidating it into long-term memory. Not only that, most people don't realize this, but sleep is also what repairs your body cells. It actually tosses out the old one, repairs the new, so you wake up with a refreshed body, yeah. literally. It kicks out all those bad cells. So in between, a lot of people also don't realize that the process of sleep means that you have to have a decent length of sleep because where the memory consolidation takes place is at the end of a sleep cycle. Okay. And the end of a sleep cycle, each sleep cycle is about 90 minutes. The end of a sleep cycle is when you have what we call REM sleep, rapid eye movement, where you dream. Right. And when you start dreaming, that is when your memories are being taken from the day and being stored. And if you miss that out, the problem with the cycles is that 
at the very beginning of your sleep, the first cycle, you maybe have 15 minutes of REM sleep and it increases with each cycle until you get to about maybe one hour by the fifth cycle. Now, the fifth cycle is seven and a half hours later. So if you don't sleep enough, you're going to find yourself losing out on the benefits of archiving your memory and using it for the future. So you need to be able to sleep that entire length, not in bits, right. that entire length, to be able to get the benefits of sleep. That is the benefits of REM sleep. Then you have meet deep sleep, which comes before your REM sleep. Mm -hmm. And that is what rehabilitates your body, refreshes your body, allows you to feel, okay, you know, it's like a washing machine. It throws out the old, you know, refreshes whatever's left. So yeah, that's, that's why I feel that. And I know that once I got that under control, you make better decisions, your brain functions, you make better decisions about your food. You can exercise because you don't feel so tired. Yeah. You don't have, you don't binge, you don't have cravings. Your concentration is better because, you know, you've taken care of your brain by refreshing our brains at night and your body has taken a rest. Mm. It's important for our bodies. It's like machines. If It's like pouring, I was thinking of it the other day, pouring mm. water to an engine into, you know, maybe the fuel tank or something. Right. If you don't sleep well, it just disrupts everything right so when you sleep well then you have a but you have to rest the body is meant to rest it's a machine it's meant to rest so the process of sleep also allows you to have a rest so that when you wake up you're refreshed you're innovated and it's all go so i don't know if i've never heard this didn't catch on to it when i heard it but when you mentioned long-term memory associated with REM sleep, like I knew about the cell rejuvenation, I know about your liver and your kidney and all that stuff, but the process of your long-term memory resetting itself or explain that to us well, a little well, bit more. It, it's moving. So what it has okay. is you, whatever you do during the day, you know, right. you read a book, you read a phrase, you have something going on, you have some memories and it's during the sleep process, during that REM sleep that moves that over from short-term memory it's a computer really right it moves it from that short-term memory which is maybe your floppy drive or something into the hard drive of your brain which says and this is why you can recall memories like years later because it has been moved over and stored and you can recall with amazing clarity some episodes that happened 20 years ago yeah and yet Maybe because you had disrupted sleep, something that happened one or two days. How many people remember what they ate yesterday? I know, it, right? Because it's not important. Yeah. But when it's important, you can archive it and you can, it'll go to your long-term memory. Yes. I love, so I always say, I love when I learn something new on the podcast. <laughs> this is, that, that's exciting to me. So I didn't make that connection and I appreciate that information. So give the audience one or two tips that they can use to get better sleep. We're in the age of technology, and unfortunately, too many of us are attached to our phones. And that is an important disruptor of sleep. Not only the blue light that comes from it, but also the, the mere fact of scrolling and all the uh, inputs. This, the, shall we say amazing sensory, not amazing, amazing is not the right word. It, it's way too much stimulation for our senses, particularly when you want to go to sleep. Okay. So you see people with their with their phones and going up to bed and still answering phones and keeping it on and keeping it on the bedside as if you know things are but so one of the most important things i say is for people to let go of their devices and anything that emits blue light so all the electronic devices anything that emits blue light one hour before they're meant to get into bed 
give get rid of that you do something else you read a book you listen to music you spend time with your family you know there's a lot of things you can do one hour which prepares your mind you, you it's like you know calming down it's preparing yourself to go to sleep but the more you use your device and the blue light actually disrupts the hormone called melatonin which we need to get us to sleep now melatonin traditionally with our ancestors and still with us because we haven't changed that much is a hormone that comes in when the sun sets it reacts to light it's part of our so-called circadian rhythm mm -hmm. uh, which is a 24-hour cycle it comes in when sun sets now how many of us go to bed when it's sunset hardly any anyone yeah. so you're not going to bed when it's sunset at least if we allow ourselves the fact that we have some you know not as much bombardment with that blue light which disrupts melatonin it allows melatonin to take over for us for the duration of sleep and then we wake up in the morning but melatonin is one of those things that is blue light is ubiquitous in everything these days every device lights are now daylight etc cetera, etc cetera, and they are extraordinarily dis disruptive to sleep and so if we can go to bed and on time and avoid those devices that's the first thing keep it out of the room put it somewhere else let it charge someplace else putting it on do not disturb it's not going to kill you till the following morning and I, I mine goes off even though i'm in bed by about 10 mine goes off at about 11 o'clock come hello high water and I, it doesn't come on until seven so no okay. emails no dawdling through social media none of that stuff it doesn't enhance your life right. really right. it doesn't set you up so that's my first tip. It's what I say, you do that and you will discover your sleep will change. I, mm -hmm. I promise. Mm -hmm. The second thing is consistency. The body likes consistency. Right. It doesn't like you suddenly waking up today or, or, or going to sleep at 10 today and going to bed at 1 p.m. tomorrow. It doesn't know what to make of it. It's confused. And contrary to all those warriors who will work four hours during the week and sleep 12 hours at the weekend, your body is just saying, I don't know what's going on here and just gets confused. Right. Every single day, including weekends, requires a level of consistency. You can vary it occasionally by one hour max, but it needs to be the same day, every day, pretty much. Because melatonin actually, like I said, comes in over sunset, goes, in, uh, goes away just before dawn. But it also is produced by the body in stimulation to what time did you wake up? So it, there's a complex relationship between melatonin and our bodies and sleep. And if we disrupt that relationship, the body just goes, hey, I give up. I can't cope with you anymore. Those are two very, very smart things. And it's so they seem so easy, but yet hard because we're so tied to our phone and we're tied to the idea that we can catch up on our sleep when we know that that's not possible for us to do. So, yeah, those are great. I know that you have um, something called the five superpowers. Can you talk to us about that and explain that to us some? Okay. Um, yes. Um, because in the process of going through this journey, uh -huh. I, I went through everything, as I told you. I went through, you name it, acupuncture, energy medicine. I did a whole raft of stuff. I actually did go through HRT and still nothing seems to work. And I'm thinking, why aren't I getting back to normal? My dose of HRT was getting higher and higher and higher until a male colleague, when I happened to mention to him, says, hey, that dose is way too high. And I just said, okay, enough already. Right. Fortunately for me, I had been doing other things in the process of trying to look for a solution to be able to become 
healthier and functioning properly again. They happen to be more holistic solutions, natural solutions. And that's why I got the five superpowers. There's nothing magical about them. It's just the way they're put together. It's sleep, nutrition, movement, brain health, exactly, as well as stress reduction, which I call Zen or tranquility, because you want tranquility, but you don't want to be like just hanging out. You want right. it to be energized tranquility. Right. And, and that's why I don't use the word stress reduction, but to be in a state where you can, you know, refresh and rejuvenate on the go if you need to, but being aware of your body status. And so those are the five superpowers. And if you put them together, not bit by bit, Mm-hmm. but put them together in a harmonious fashion. It turns out that like everything good, this symbiotic and the synergy gives you a better result than picking them off one by one. It's compound interest. Yeah. Oh. So instead of saying two yeah. plus two plus two plus two, right. go four, two times two times two times two, gives you a much higher exponential result. So you don't even have to do everything within each system. Right. You can do some of it here, some of it there, and still get good results because you are putting them together. It's the togetherness at that point in time of doing the right things that gives you even better results than picking up, I'm going to attend to my sleep today, and in next month, you know, attend to my diet, and in next month, oh, start running a sleep. People who diet only find themselves going up and down try one, it doesn't work, they try another. And the tragedy of that is that the more times they cycle, the worse the results. Yeah, yeah. I um, I call it my layered effect. Because when I was sick, I would, I did the nutrition first, because that was what I knew I had to get out of the way. But mm-hmm. until I started the exercise and the mindset and the stress reduction and started like layering on all of the things I need to do. That's when I started to see results. You're right. If you do it in isolation, one, it's easy to step away from it and it's not helping you build that temple of goodness that you really need. So I like those five. Big yeah. point because yeah, I have this, uh, which puts them all together. It's a temple of yeah. saying, Yes, it's nothing extraordinary, but then it is also extraordinary in its execution because it makes you this superwoman, this powerful woman that you can be if you do it. Yeah, Mm. I love that. When we were talking a little bit earlier, you talked about how you tried everything, but you didn't try sleeping pills. So often women turn to sleeping pills, alcohol, and other types of sleep aids. What, in your opinion, works and what doesn't work? Okay. I'm going to start with a quote I heard the other day, which I absolutely love. All right. The reason behind it. It says, pills, permission slips to not change your life, which I found truly. A whole bunch of people's uh, faces ran through my head when you said that. That's why I'm laughing. I will tell them who they are. They probably already know because they listen. (laughs) All right. I want this shortcut, but I won't change anything. And this pill will give me a shortcut. But here's here's a skinny on that one. Mm-hmm. pills sleeping pills particularly are sedatives so they don't give you good quality sleep it's like knockout drops so you think you're sleeping because you are not awake but that is not the cycling going through it does not happen it sedates you and so you just there mm-hmm. you think you're sleeping but it doesn't refresh you it doesn't get your memory done into the moving into the archive. It doesn't refresh your body because it misses all that out. And all it does is just like knockout drops. Right. And the same thing, alcohol works this very same way as well. It, they're sedative. So you can think that you're going to sleep easily, i.e. you fall asleep easier. Right. But staying asleep 
and getting good quality sleep don't come from either alcohol or sleeping pills. And I'm going to add another thing to that, melatonin pills. I didn't try melatonin for that long. I, I heard about it. I tried one or two things. But eventually, my research led me to this, that melatonin prefers the melatonin that's made by your body. And if we realize that this process of making our melatonin is complex, mm -hmm. it's not a simple putting a pill in your body and deciding, okay, uh, it'll give me X number of hours sleep. It's interacting with the light, with the various things that's going on, with cortisol in your body, deciding when the cortisol is going to go down and when it's going to go up, when you wake up. It's into all those complex interactions are missing from exogenous, i.e. that's melatonin given to you in a pill form. It can't titrate to what else is going on in your body. Whereas your body's melatonin, natural melatonin, can adapt to whatever else is going on in your body. Mm -hmm. So I include melatonin pills with that for most people. Melatonin, for things like jet lag, it seems to work. Okay. But for a solution in terms of a long-term sleep solution, you're depressing, you're also suppressing your body's own natural ability to produce melatonin. Very interesting because I know that's an option that a lot of people take when they just, they feel like I can't take it any longer. I need to figure out how to sleep. And it's, it's marketed to us as a solution and a solution in the world as well. So that's interesting to hear, uh, especially the, the idea that it actually suppresses your own melatonin. And we don't want that. The body is created so wonderfully that it, it can do all the stuff that we need for it to do. We just have to take care of it. Exactly. You described it. You said, you know, the body temple and uh, it's amazing the complexity of it, thinking that it's, you know, that complexity is going to be replicated by a single pill. Mm. So you talked about, uh, we talked a, just a little bit about HRT and, and the fact that you had taken HRT. Can you share some of the research you conducted or any other factors when deciding whether or not you would have a patient or someone that you know or love take HRT to manage perimenopausal symptoms, specifically sleep related? I will say that in doing my programs, it's not, I don't have patience in terms of having patience and prescribing things. I, if I don't know you and it's only online we're meeting, it can't possibly be a patient-physician relationship. Right. But it is based on all the various, like I said, research that I have done and, and, and readings, et cetera, and experiences as well for myself and, and my clients. What happens is that HRT still remains the first-line treatment for people who are going through menopause. And unfortunately, a lot of women got put off by the WHI study of 2002. As I'm sure you know, they came to conclusions that were not accurate. In the first place, they were using older cohort of women who were already well, well past menopause. And the second thing, they were using hormones made from horses' urine, premarin, which is not anywhere close to what hormones that we use these days are. Plus, the conclusions were different. And they have since revised it, but the revised information has not trickled down. So it still remains the first, I will still encourage women, if you don't have uh, a medical reason not to take it, to explore it, because a good physician who is giving you advice about taking HRT or not taking HRT, in the first place, they should give you, I feel very strongly, bioidentical hormones, not the synthetic stuff. Unfortunately, bioidentical hormones, we know about the pink tax, is not usually covered in most people's insurance policies. And it does cost quite a bit. And I was on bioidentical hormones, but it does cost quite a bit. And until we can have a time when those hormones are available on our various health plans, it remains out of reach for way too many women. So there is that bit of it. 
The other thing is that the risks were miscalculated because the risks of taking the hormones continuously for five years, your risk of breast cancer, which is what most people were concerned about, is no more than about one in a thousand, which is the same risk as if you were overweight and the same risk as if you took a glass of wine you know, every night or thereabouts. And, and the risks of breast cancer in the general population of women is higher than that. It's about three times three per thousand. Those risks are very low and they're still much lower than the general risk out there, even if you had HRT. So I still encourage women because it is a first line treatment and it does help take the edge off um, symptoms. And what I compare it to is, for instance, if you had a really raging pain, maybe surgery, maybe headache, et cetera, et cetera, and you needed painkillers. Instead of taking small doses, you're better off taking the titrated dose that will take care of the pain because your requirement thereafter is going to be much lower. So if you start by taking HRT, it's titrated to you and you take, and I think the mistake that was made in my case was that I was given a low dose. Mm-hmm. And so I kept on going higher and higher and higher. So you give, give me an adequate dose, stabilize, and then you back it up okay. with those lifestyle, with those superpowers that would enable you to get off them. Because as soon as I came off them, I discovered, wow, my changes clicked into place and I felt much better. So I never really felt great on HRT. That's why I kept on taking higher and higher doses. But say this again, I want, I want to make sure folks heard it. You didn't just take the HRT and depend on that. You took the HRT, but you did the things that we talked about as part of the five superpowers so that you can eventually come off. I just wanted to stress. I started. Uh, yes, absolutely. That is very correct. Mm-hmm. I tell you, um, that's one of the questions that I get quite a bit from folks. Like, should I take HRT? Shouldn't I? And your explanation was uh, was great. What I'm going to do is after we get off or at some point, I'm going to ask you to send me some links to research so we can put that in the show notes. I think that would be um, important for women to read because you're right. The mindset still is around that. What was it? 2002 study um, about folks getting breast cancer and not recognizing that the research was not done in the same manner that it's been. It was, yes, it, the interpretation of the research, mm-hmm. uh, because they were trying to put that research interpretation onto women, you know, younger women who are younger, mm-hmm. who are taking different formulations of hormones. It was just, and by the time the correction came out, it was too late because everybody, including professionals, you will find doctors who don't want to give women hormone treatment. I have colleagues who are menopausal having, you know, a rough time and still don't want to take hormone treatment. The take-up rate for hormones when that study was made was 40%. It dropped to 4% after the study and has never recovered. Oh, wow. That's a huge drop. Yes. And it has never recovered because people are still anxious. And then you know what happens? You have the bad news and the, the, the better news or the correct news comes out, but it is never as widespread as that first poof in the fire. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I thought about people who have their character defamed, like, even though the truth comes out, it's kind of too late, because you've already said it, and people are going to believe the first story, not the second story, no matter how much proof is involved. No matter, they say there's no smoke without fire. And you say, yeah. actually, there may well be because it was a wrong fire, it was another yeah. fire. 
Exactly. Exactly. So this has been amazing. I, I have two additional questions for you. I'd like to know what you are reading or listening to currently. Oh boy. Um, oh my gosh. I, I, I read all kinds of things. When I read, when I go to sleep at night or listen, I like audio books because they give me instant gratification without doing too much. I work and I can get some things into my brain and then sleep and put it in my long-term memory. But anyway, I've just finished reading. It's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Vaughn. It's, it's an interesting book. It's about negotiation. I literally just finished it yesterday, I think. It, the way he crafted it was quite something. And I also read whimsical books. I read Harry Potter for the first time uh, not too long ago. And I was in awe of J.K. Rowling's crafting her stories. I don't want anything that when I go to bed particularly, and even during the day is going to, you know, get me angst up and stuff like that. So yeah. it's usually something to do with either my or business or just something completely out of the blue, a nice story, a nice fiction story, something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. How can folks get in contact with you? I think I'm in a few places right now. I'm on TikTok as the Dr. Tayo. I'm on Instagram, same thing, the Dr. Tayo. I'm on LinkedIn, Dr. Tayo. I'm on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page, Dr. Tayo Sassy. I have a website as well, getyoursassyback.com, um, which is what I want women to do. So you're able to say, guess what? Just because we're going through midlife changes doesn't mean all is lost. There is a lot to look forward to. And uh, yeah. Yeah, those are amazing final words. I love that. And I will make sure that all of those things are included in the show notes. Dr. Tayo, this has been a very nice conversation. I enjoyed talking to you and I always enjoy when I learn something new. So if you saw my head down, it's like, oh, I got to take a note Thank on that. Thank you. <laughs> and I, was going to ask, um, I was going to offer something uh, for free to your readers um, that will help particularly with sleep. There are these custom, lovely technology, it, it can really help us. And uh, they are uh, what I call Sleep Beats Pack, which will help you. What you need is uh, headphones and they synchronize your brain waves to help you sleep, fall asleep, stay asleep and wake up refreshed. But the thing is that the way you have monkey minds, etc., mm -hmm. it takes that away and it synchronizes it. And they're custom made. And uh, yes, I will provide you with a link and they can also have the first chapter of my Menopause Mistakes book. Awesome. All right. I will make sure that I get both of those and include that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Hello Hot Flash, where we help you control the midlife change. Make sure to check out the show notes where we include links to subjects we covered today. Want to discover how to manage your hormones so you can sleep better, have more energy and manage your weight? Take the quiz on HelloHotFlash.com. It only takes 90 seconds. Everyone, here's to your health. Worried about the weight, the stress, and the sleepless nights? Take my online hormone quiz to discover how you can make simple lifestyle changes that will help you lose weight, eliminate stress, and sleep like a baby. The Hello Hot Flash Hormone Quiz. Find out more on HelloHotFlash.com.